It's 5 p.m. Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed. In today's top stories, in a hearing for the Committee on Homeland Security, Justice, and Public Safety, lawmakers received testimony regarding Bill Number 35-0086, mandating background checks of employees. A federal appellate court has agreed that the Virgin Islands Carnival Committee is unlikely to succeed in blocking the government from using its trademark. We speak with Virgin Islands Carnival Committee Chairman Edgar Baker Phillips to get a response. At a hearing for the Committee on Health, Hospitals and Human Services, Dr. Walter Rolhoff testified before legislators highlighting the severity of kidney disease in the territory. These are some of your headlines for today's WTJX Newsfeed. From the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System Studios on St. Thomas, this is the WTJX Newsfeed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed bringing you the latest news and updates throughout our community. Members of the Senate Committee on Homeland Security, Justice, and Public Safety unanimously voted to hold Bill Number 35-0086 in Committee for Further Amendments. The bill proposed by Senator Dwayne DeGraff sought to amend Title III of the Virgin Islands Code, Chapter 1, Section 10H, to require background checks for all IT personnel and employees of the Bureau of Information Technology, agencies that have data centers, and any employee who handles classified information. Testifiers expressed concerns about the legislation with Chief Technology Officer at the Bureau of Information Technology, Mark Bow, suggesting that the responsibility for conducting background checks should be with the Human Resources Department or the Division of Personnel. This approach aligns with established best practices in many organizations and ensures a streamlined and effective implementation of background checks. Furthermore, the proposed utilization of the National Crime Investigation Center, NCIC, as a data source raises concerns. While the NCIC is a vital tool for law enforcement, its primary focus is criminal investigation. The Bureau of Information Technology lacks the necessary resource, resources, accessibility, and training to manage the intricacies of this database effectively. We recommend exploring alternative, alternative specialized databases or coll collaborating with law enforcement entities to ensure accurate and reliable background checks. The Virgin Islands Police Department's Commissioner Ray Martinez said the department does not have a position on this bill because they already require background checks for personnel both sworn and civilian. He also noted that the proposed legislation appears overbroad and the Federal Bureau of Investigation does not permit the use of the National Crime Information Center databases criminal record checks for employment purposes. I am compelled, however, to point out the proposed legislation appears overbroad in its referral of classified information and recommend the bill be more concise in its definition. Moreover, the National Crime Information Center, NCIC, is a computerized index of missing persons and criminal information and is designed for the rapid exchange of information between criminal justice agencies. Vitima Director Darrell Joshin criticized the draft legislation for being vague and suggested that the references to classified information were irrelevant. As far as I know, the government of the Virgin Islands, including the Bureau of Information Technology, does not currently classify any of its information or databases, but uses access control through leadership authorization for individuals with a need-to-know basis and controls levels of authorization 
through system administration with full rights. Representatives for the VI Port Authority and the Water and Power Authority said that they already conduct comprehensive background checks on prospective employees, including criminal background checks, credit checks, and more. Reading testimony from Executive Director Andrew Smith, Julius Obain, Chief Information Officer, noted that the authority were victims of a scam not that long ago, prompting the increase in security. Unfortunately, some of the hands security was prompted by learning a hard lesson. As you are aware, Wapper suffered a theft of $2 million several years ago from the authority due to fraudulent wire transfer. Wapper recovered a significant amount of this loss from insurance, but due to a non-disclosure confidentiality agreement with the insurer, I am unable to disclose the amount of the insurance proceeds. Regardless of the receipt of insurance proceeds, reducing the loss of Wapper any loss was unacceptable, and that painful lesson prompted many reforms. Senators expressed the need for amendments to the bill and noted the absence of representatives from the Division of Personnel during the hearing. Senator Dwayne DeGraff, the bill's sponsor, agreed that the measure needed further work and moved to hold it in committee at the call of the chair. He aims to make necessary amendments promptly to advance the bill without significant delays. We spoke with Senator DeGraff to get his response to the results of the hearing. You know, I don't normally like to hold my bills, but because there was so much good input um, and suggestions that I took that into consideration and we're going to do, um, I have a meeting set up with a majority leader who is the chairman of the committee um, next week. So we're going to do where the committee gets together. We will try all the amendments put in and try not to over, overburden it, and then we would bring it back because I don't really want it held any longer because, again, the, the, the issue was back from 2021, you know, when I saw what took place at BIT, I just wanted to make sure we have these background checks uh, for individuals, especially dealing with IT. In this day and age, dealing with, uh, you know, that confidential information and, and very, very serious information. On the floor, Senator DeGraff mentioned a 2021 news article in the Virgin Islands Consortium where senators learned during a Committee on Finance hearing that the Bureau of Information Technology had hired a man by the name of Zaki Abdur Rashid. Mr. Rashid had pleaded guilty to possession of an identification document with the intent to defraud in 2019 and was serving as BIT's Chief Information Security Officer. We contacted the Bureau of Information Technology, who stated that Mr. Rashid was still employed with the department. Moving down the news feed, in late September, a federal appellate court has agreed that the Virgin Islands Carnival Committee is unlikely to succeed in blocking the government from using its trademarks, St. Thomas Carnival and Virgin Islands Carnival, because the terms are too generic to be privately owned. The third U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals issued a motion September 21st affirming an August 2022 ruling by Chief Judge Robert Malloy. In that decision, Judge Malloy denied the Carnival Committee's motion for a preliminary injunction which sought to bar employees of the Virgin Islands government's Tourism Department and Division of Festivals from using either trademark. We asked Virgin Islands Carnival Committee Chairman Edgar Baker Phillips for his reaction to the decision. Well, first of all, we believe that the court ruling is wrong. Uh, the fact that uh, we we have been paying for that trademark for quite some years, 
And for, for them to now come and say that it's a generic name, uh, my position is why would they, why would they uh, give us a, a trademark taking our money and now uh, uh, making it uh, extinct so that anyone could, uh, could use this uh, trademark as one. Um, we believe we're still presently in court um, with discoveries right now. And uh, our position is, you know, we, we, we will take it to the next court if necessary. So we're looking forward to uh, getting by what's going on at district court right now. We were recently there last Monday presenting discoveries uh, before uh, <coughs> the judge magistrate and uh we will continue to present our information because we believe that we are a rightful owner of the trademark. Uh, we've been using this uh, trademark for many, many, many years. We have served this community. Uh, we have had volunteers, senior citizens who have been uh, supporting this trademark. So that is our position at this present time. We asked Mr. Baker to clarify for us whether the government of the Virgin Islands is still providing monetary funds, to which he responded. None whatsoever. None whatsoever. Uh, But most importantly, you know, it really hurts. It really hurts to know the fact that we went to the table a few years ago and discussed the issue of us being able to work together. We formulated a, a memorandum of understanding, and to date, to date, they have not even responded. So they have no intention of trying to work. But more importantly, you mentioned about the Third Circuit ruling about they can use the name of the Third Circuit also in their ruling states that we are partners. So we are partners. Why aren't we at the table? Responding to reports that the committee would not provide access to their financials or attend Senate hearings when requested as one of the reasonings for the government establishing the division of festivals, Mr. Baker responded. Well, that is false. Uh, first of all, we've always showed up to before the legislature. Uh, more importantly, uh, the legislature give, uh, providing a recent, as 2019, I think they came up to, it was $500,000 to the organization. The organization has always, always uh, presented a, a, a budget uh, to show of the spending of the $500,000. The problem that was created is that there, we also reach out and raise over a million plus uh, dollars to, to fund Carnival, along with the $500,000 that from local uh, vendors, along with the uh, contribution from the government. But the government want us to expose our sponsorship. Our sponsorship is saying, no, we don't want every and anybody to know what we are giving your organization. And that is the right. So if our sponsor said not to do something, why are we going to be exposing our sponsors when our sponsors are asked for us not to expose them? But we always gave accounting for the $500,000. So that is far from the truth. We were also audited by the Inspector General Office and found nothing was wrong with this organization, that this organization was running a fair and decent operation. I believe this legislation was formulated for, 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 to the legislature for the cronies. And, and unfortunately, the cronies did not, were not able to get it when the governor decided to put his people in place. We're back in the WTJX news feed. In 2019, the legislature created the Division of Festivals within the Tourism Department and began promoting St. Thomas Carnival in 2022, prompting a legal challenge by the Virgin Islands Carnival Committee. 
the committee originally filed suit on March 28, 2022, and have argued that the nonprofit corporation has always organized and ran Carnival, and that the government is trying to illegally take over the event. Despite the Third Circuit ruling that the committee is unlikely to succeed in blocking the government from using its trademarks, committee chairman Edgar Baker Phillips responded to critics who say that the committee should give up and move on. Why, why would we give up something that we created? Uh, we, we have met, um, we have worked with the Division of uh, Department of Tourism for many years. Uh, where the funding, which we requested the funding through the legislature, the legislature provided the funding through agencies. Before tourism, they were putting the funding through the Department of, uh, uh, which is now currently uh, Parks and Recreation, and then they started uh, draw. We started drawing down on the tourism. So why should we give up something that we created? Uh, I have so many seniors disenfranchised the seniors and cheers for a proper organized operation versus a three-man operation and running uh, an event as big as the carnival, which generates approximately over $65 million per, per event. Now, that's what this carnival committee has created for the economy. Uh, the average person in this territory can come to our office, fill out an application for a minimum of $200 and be able to generate the $10,000 that can help them with their light bill and their rent for months. So why should we be giving that up? We'll be sure to update you to any developments regarding the matter. As we continue to update the news feed, at a Senate hearing for the Committee on Health, Hospitals, and Human Services, Dr. Walter Rolhoff, a nephrologist, testified before legislators highlighting the severity of kidney disease in the U.S. Virgin Islands and the need for improved treatment options. He pointed out that the prevalence of end-stage kidney disease is rising rapidly, with a significant increase in the number of patients on dialysis over the past 30 years. Uh, there has been increasing pressure to um, minimize the costs, and this uh, has played out uh, to only remaining two dialysis chains uh, in the, as major providers, um, which is Davida and Fresenius. And these two chains now provide care for over 75% of the dialysis population. Uh, in the Virgin Islands, uh, we are not aligned with any um, dialysis corporations. We are trying to do things our own. And I think this is why we have been failing and have been failing more and more and why we are not able to really keep up with what's needed. There are currently 219 Virgin Islanders requiring dialysis services, with additional patients unable to return to the territory due to a lack of suitable outpatient dialysis chairs. Dr. Rolhoff emphasized the financial burden on healthcare facilities providing dialysis services, with the government having to bail out private providers. On St. Thomas, the Crown Bay Dialysis Center opened in 2014, closed in 2017 because it was unable to meet costs. As you all are painfully aware, in uh, June, the Senate took the decision to um, pay $72,000 every two weeks uh, to bail out the pri for a private uh, dialysis provider, um, CKC, under Dr. Gardner, um, going forward. So, and, and also the government-run hospitals 
also generate negative balances that require intervention from the legislature uh, or governor at times to um, support the, the extra costs. What this means is uh, more and more uh, of the resources in healthcare need to be diverted to uh, dialysis and end-stage kidney disease care here in the islands, uh, costs that may come out of cancer care or mental health care where they're also needed. And this competition is not a healthy competition for the Virgin Islands. To address the issue, he outlined several steps that included new treatment choices, kidney disease outreach programs, and improving patient survival and quality of life. He specifically emphasized the benefits of home dialysis, which he says is less resource dependent and provides a better quality of life for patients. One major obstacle to home dialysis in the territory, he says, is the lack of trained staff due to brain drain. And Dr. Rolhoff suggested aligning with national kidney care organizations for support. I received a letter that uh, the private provider on the Virgin Islands, again, will require further bailouts from the Virgin Island government in order to continue its operations or it may have to close its operations in four days from now. The letter was sent to the, um, to the agency, the Network 3, that regulates um, these matters uh, and basically puts the uh, Virgin Island government in a difficult position to continue uh, these payments. He mentioned the new dialysis center on St. Croix operated by a Dialysis Clinic, Inc., and the potential benefits it could bring, including an outreach program and a home dialysis program. Dr. Rolhoff urged lawmakers to consider supporting the VI Healthcare Foundation in getting the new clinic operational with DCI's assistance. Senators expressed some skepticism with home dialysis, but agreed to have Dr. Rolhoff present his proposal to the Department of Health Commissioner, Justa Encarnacion, for consideration before taking further action. The Virgin Islands Justice Initiative is having its second annual Harvest Festival and Pumpkin Patch this weekend. We spoke with Executive Director Casey Payton to give us the details. Good day, this is Casey Payton, the Executive Director of the Virgin Islands Justice Initiative, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Come on down to our second annual Harvest Festival and Pumpkin Patch at Megan's Bay Beach on this Saturday, October 14th, from 12 o'clock until 5 o'clock p.m. We will have 1,000 pumpkins in our pumpkin patch between $15 and $20, come and pick out your favorite pumpkin. We will also have two tractor hay rides running from Shed 4 through the Arboretum. It costs, five, it costs $5 to ride the tractor hay ride. We will also have over 40 booths uh, and a kid zone, live entertainment, including youth performances throughout the day. Also, don't forget our farmer's market we welcome you down to the Harvest Festival and Pumpkin Patch at Megan's Bay Beach this Saturday, October 14th, from 12 until 5 o'clock p.m. See you there. The VI Justice Initiative provides free legal representation, education, and resources for economic and social mobility. For more information about this year's event, visit their website at vijustice.org. The Virgin Islands Fire and Emergency Medical Services Public Information Officer, Jonelle Alexis Jackson, is providing the community with an update regarding office closures. In observance of Fire Prevention Week 2023, the Virgin Islands Fire and Emergency Medical Services 
informs the public that our administrative and prevention offices in both districts will be closed on Thursday, October 12th. On Friday, October 13th, the St. Thomas Administrative and Prevention Office, located at the Omar Brown Senior Fire Station, will also be closed. These closures enable our staff to participate in Fire Prevention Week activities. The Virgin Islands Fire and Emergency Medical Services maintains our commitment to ensure the safety of our community. Regular office hours will resume on Monday, October 16, 2023. We sincerely appreciate the public's understanding and cooperation during this time. As we continue to update, the Virgin Islands Port Authority's Administrative Office on St. Thomas will be closed on Friday, October 13th to allow for employees to participate in a walkathon and other health-related events in observance of breast cancer awareness and domestic violence awareness. For emergency matters, the public may call 340-774-5100 or email info at viport.com. As we make our way down the WTJX news feed, it's time now for the regional report. In a recent update, the Dominican Republic has partially reopened its border with Haiti, allowing limited commercial activity. This comes after a month-long closure due to a dispute over the construction of a canal targeting water from a shared river. Reporting from the AP News says that vendors on the Dominican border cities can now sell basic goods like food and medicine, but the export of electronic products and construction materials is strictly prohibited. However, Dominican President Luis Abinader has maintained a ban on issuing visas to Haitian citizens and will keep the border closed to all migrants regardless of their purpose. The border opening was delayed due to a fire that destroyed dozens of stalls at the main marketplace in Dajabon. The recent diplomatic crisis arose from the construction of a canal on the Haitian side of the border, aiming to collect water from the Massac River. Haiti argues that farmers urgently need this water, while the Dominican Republic claims that it violates a 1929 treaty that would affect their farmers and wetlands. Both countries have a history of contentious relations, and the border dispute only adds to its existing tensions. Haiti is a significant trading partner for the Dominican Republic with economic ties between the two nations. We're turning now to the territory's weather forecast. Good afternoon. Here's a look at your short-term forecast for the Virgin Islands. The heat advisory does continue for St. Croix. It's mostly sunny with a chance for a few scattered showers as we go towards sunset. It is hot. Temperatures will climb into the upper 80s and lower 90s. With the humidity, the heat indices will climb into the low triple digits between 100 and 103. Across St. Thomas and St. John, we'll find a few more scattered showers, mainly in the afternoon towards sunset. Temperatures are very similar with heat indices a few degrees lower, mainly between 99 and 102. Winds are from the east region-wide at 10 to 15 miles per hour. It's probably cloudy tonight after any showers clear early. Temperatures will fall back into the upper 70s to near 80 at St. Croix. Winds from the east at 5 to 10 miles per hour. And at St. Thomas and St. John, we'll find temperatures in the upper 70s to near 80. Winds fairly similar as well. Friday does feature clouds increasing in the afternoon with scattered showers as well. 
across St. Croix, temperatures will climb into the lower 90s. Heat index values as high as 105 in the afternoon, so similar levels of unhealthy heat towards sunset on Friday. And across St. Thomas and St. John, we'll find scattered showers building in the afternoon. Highs also in the lower to middle 90s with heat index values as high as 105. That's a look at your latest forecast. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. We are at the end of today's WTJX News Feed. I'm Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Join me every weekday at 5 p.m. Be sure to download the WTJX app. And if you missed a part of our news, listen to it on demand wherever you get your podcasts.